Kia ora, Aotearoa, and welcome to Generally Famous. I'm Simon Bridges, and every week I talk generally famous but always interesting guests about life, love, and what makes them tick. Today on Generally Famous, we have an absolute treat in having someone born Kiwi actress Twila Blakely. Welcome! Hello. It is so good to have you on. I feel like I know you somehow. I feel the same way about you, truly. Yeah. Truly. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, I don't know what that is. You have, um, now you have been, I've got my list, you've been on Shoreland Street, Outrageous Fortune, Sioni's Wedding Times 2, Filthy Rich, Power Rangers, Bro Town, Duck Rockers, the Sioni Weddings uh, TV prequel, which is what Duck Rockers is. And you've been, uh, you know, a, 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 I don't want to say veteran because it makes you sound old and you're not, but you've been a pioneer um, of radio, you know, Flavor New FM and others as well, Dancing with the Stars and much more. But I actually will get to that because there's there's a lot in that. But I want to start um, at, I suppose, the beginning, and that's growing up. Mm. And, you know, uh, I don't know if we say white anymore, but your dad was white, let's say that. Your mum, Simone. yes. You are, um, I got this right, I'm just see if my homework is right, fourth of fifth children. Yes. Uh, and your folks, this is the best bit of all of that, ran a takeaway <laughs> shop in Tauranga until you were like eight. Absolutely. You have done your research, Simon. Yeah, it's good. W- Wikipedia is a fine, fine um, thing. No, so, and, and, and of all of that, as I say, the, 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 the question that is on my, that is burning is, what is it like growing up as a, Takeaway shop kid. Great question. Because, you know, it is a thing. If you're a shop kid and other shop kids r- relate to this, that's your environment, a shop. <laughs> so I grew up very young. Mum and dad actually had two um, takeaway store uh, shops in Tauranga. And I spent my time going from one to the other, riding my trike around the vats in the little courtyard at the back, sleeping in the back rooms like... It's not a very interesting environment for children, but what I learned is because I'm a young child watching all these adult customers come in and out, so observing adults became my pastime, Yes, which I think was a really interesting way to grow up as well. Yeah. Yeah. Like mundane, but there's all these, you know, there are these crazy critters coming into your shop. And that interact with me. I'll have three potato fritters, a hamburger. And the terakihi. Uh Yeah, I don't know the exact <laughs> fish we used, but I know that my dad, he was a fantastic cook. So was mum, but um, dad was quite renowned for his, his the quality of his takeaways. And we did really well um, business-wise. In, in Can you remember what it was called? The Kebab in Cameron Road and the Chippewa in Gretton. Oh, he's a significant businessman. He, they, Yes, absolutely. I mean, considering he came from a fifth-generation Central Otago farming family... He's a long way from Otago. <laughs> Truly, a long way from the farm. This is not remotely kind of, I don't you know, but, but how did your mum and dad meet? Well, um, mum actually comes from a big German Samoan family in Samoa. Right. And th- they've got a big estate and a lot of, um, we've got a plantation there and things like that too. So um, my grandfather had seven daughters and mum was one of them and he felt that the best thing he could do for his daughters was send them to New Zealand to be educated. Mm. Um, and so that's what happened. But then, um, and then the second half of our uh, family were educated in the United States. And then what happened is they ended up staying. You know, my mum, she came, they, they just ended up having their lives here. And dad wanted to get out of the um, farming life because generationally that's all they'd done. So he just wanted to see what the 
big wide world was like, mm. and he thought he'd come north to Auckland to work. Mum was sent here to go to nursing school, and they met, and the rest was history. As they say. Yeah. And what, what I got, you know, from my extensive Wikipedia Google <laughs> research on you, is your mother was, my sense she quite, uh, which is, you know, often the true of um, new migrants and um, ambitious for you, and I don't mean that, I think that's a great thing. And did you get ambition from sitting there on the crates at the takeaway store thinking, I don't want to be a takeaway shop worker when I'm 25? Absolutely, and also, and that was a big part of it, Simon, my mother was a very ambitious woman, and I think, you know, she would have loved to have gone further with her education, and she always wanted to get into law and or politics. Mm. So that's what she had mapped out for me. So I was drilled my entire life. Education, education, education. I had to I had to perform at like straight A's. Yeah. There was like there nothing less was accepted by my mum. And and the thing is, I I learned a lot from being raised that yeah. way. Mm. Yeah, I, I really identify with a lot of your uh story and we'll come to some of that like that's that's so my you know, I'd never met her. She passed before I. But my grandmother was Naku Joseph Maori from uh, the King Country, and you know, there's that same thing. And she wanted all of that for you know my dad, and mm. my dad wanted it for me. You know, he was obsessed with me being a lawyer. Yes. I had an older brother who was a lawyer in, in the politics. But unlike you, I I got the memo and I I followed through. You sure I mean, did. I've gone a bit off script in the last wee while, but you sort of went off. So when we'll come to that. Ooh. So um, because I do want to, I told you that like fifty three percent of this chat is going to be about the takeaways. <laughs> um, and so I just want to keep going with that for just a bit longer. Um, did you learn, have you got, I know you, you left that life in, at, at eight. Um, you got takeaway skills? I do. I make, make a good burger. Oh, my goodness. Still I, deep fry? Yeah. Oh, I, I don't tend to deep fry so much, no. but I can make a mean burger to this day. It's my thing. Is that right? What yeah. would it have in it? Uh, I like I, I like a good meat patty. Obviously, I've got my own way of making them, um, but it's just your standard um, sauce: mustard, onion, pickle, lettuce, cheese, egg, beetroot. Oh, good. Yeah, the last two were the ones I was going to say. No egg. So your kiwi burger has to have an egg, and it actually yes. has to have beetroot. My wife, who's from the UK, finds this very. Um, she can't sort of. <laughs> I've got her more into actually the things. I've, it's a surprising the things that. The things that we do in New Zealand that people don't, the beetroot, we, yeah. we like a bit. I like beetroot. Most meals are better with beetroot, Absolutely. I find. And the other one is um, pumpkin. They sort of don't do pumpkin, whereas I like I like a good uh, roasted pumpkin or kumara or something like that. that it's got, that's got nothing to do with burgers, by the way. I don't put them in the burgers. <laughs> no, that I'm be just good. saying as a um, – so – like if your glittering career doesn't work out and, and I'm down at sort of midnight at the White Lady on Fort Street, that, you know, you would still have the skills for that. I would. And, you know, the thing is I, I often think about what would I do as an alternative career because what I do is the only thing I've ever done. So I'm quite low on skills outside of I know that feeling. Yeah. And, I, and I do. I think, well, what can I do? I can make burgers and I can clean a mean house. So I'd either be a takeaway proprietor, a food truck owner, or a cleaner. I feel like the takeaway proprietor, well, they're all hard work, actually. They but, are. but it's, um, and like, let's say if you were, um, you know, people get triggered if I say, 
you're about to die, so we won't say that. If you, you Things are about to go badly for you, and you've got your last meal, and it's from a takeaway <gasps> shop. Ooh. What are you having? So I, I just say, you're, you know, I would just say last meal so that you don't need to worry about the calories. Yeah, totally. If you're me, you don't need to worry about the cholesterol. You'd go cheeseburger. Yeah. Cheeseburger yeah. And, and chips, yep. Standard, proven, like, that would be my last takeaway meal. Yeah, I love a burger. Me too. I really love it. We live next to, um, in Tiatatu. Tat North as it was back then, Natiatu Peninsula on Gloria <laughs> Avenue. We lived um, opposite the Golden Eagle takeaways. And every Friday we would, but we didn't have the fish because the fish was too expensive, actually. Mm. So we just basically got the chips and mum did the rest. But anyway, that's uh, sort of that. So we were set, and your mother was also, I always say this because I don't want you to, I'm not going to overly psychoanalyze you, but your mother was a disciplinarian, oh, is yes. my sense of it. She's quite oh, hard. Absolutely. Hard ass, if I can put it that way. Absolutely. Effect of that on you, do you think now? I mean, did that sort of drive you? Look, if I'm going to be an actor and I'm not going to be a lawyer, I need to make damn sure it's going, I'm going to be a good one and she'll I, see me in the movies. I just feel like you know me so well. Yeah, same same sort of upbringing. There's a lot yes. going on there. Yeah. And and that was the thing because she just did not want to know about these dreams that I had to be a movie actress or or anything. She just she was completely against it. And so I knew if I was going to go down this road, the uh, I had to unequivocally succeed. Make it work. And there was just no other option. And I think, you know, that the way that mum raised me, um it, this is why I've been able to do what I do, I believe. Yeah, and because, um, you know, because I don't want it just to be about takeaways and growing up, but I, the, the, we will move on. But there, there's a couple of things that really um, struck me. And, yeah, and as I say, I certainly identify with um, them in, 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 in different ways. But um, one is that, to state the bleedingly obvious, you're brown, and yes. you, you grew up in Tauranga, and I could do Tauranga as a sort of a mastermind topic. Um, I love that. If, if there was such a thing. 40 or so years ago, let's say, mm. um, you're like you're like one of about seven Samoan kids in Tauranga at this point in time. Truly. So what's that like? Uh, that was interesting. <laughs> but, I mean, you were young, so do you, in all seriousness, do you remember that? or is I it, do. Yep. I do, because... You know, you learn about things like racism and prejudice and, you, you know, you're not born with the, the awareness of these things. And, I mean, I, as a child, I had a white dad and a brown mum. That completely made sense to me. Mm. Um, I wasn't so aware that I was brown until I noticed that people would treat us differently if we were with mum mm. and they would be completely different with dad. Mm. And then I started thinking, wow, there's, there's some kind of difference here. So I, I learnt about the differences and growing up in a place like Tauranga, you're not wrong, we literally were about one of seven Samoans the entire, in the entire city for my yeah. entire childhood. So you learnt you were different and, you know, some people could really show their opinions negatively or, or on that. Yes. So I, I, I became very aware yes. that that was a thing. Um and it was really interesting, Simon, I have to tell you, when we came to Auckland and it was the first time in my entire life I'd seen groups of brown people and groups of other brown children and I was just like, oh, my goodness, we're all friends. I just love you all. That was not the way they reacted. No. <laughs> they were just like, you're weird. 
Um, and, and is that because is that because you were actually, um, and I'm gonna put it sort of bluntly, but in Tauranga, you were growing up a white kid, and then you're a white kid who's brown, and then and then you get to um, the big bad west, the wild west, <laughs> and you can and and you're sort of learning to be a brown kid who's brown. Oh my God, Simon. <laughs> It's like you were, you know, sitting there watching this whole uh, thing unfold. That was exactly right. We dressed differently. You know, we, we were very much kids. You were, were, you, were, were you a nerd? Yeah, big time. Because <laughs> I've got big, the, your, your piano, yeah. reading, writing. Yes, yes. I was that kid. Um, I didn't realise how strange I was as a brown child until mm. I came to Auckland. And absolutely, like, brown kids did, just didn't know what to make of me. Um, so it was a very difficult time, and especially in the 80s and the 90s, you know, it wasn't cool to be smart. It wasn't right. cool to be talented. It wasn't cool to be all the things that are really good now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that was difficult. That Man, that was – I got bullied ruthlessly, ruthlessly. And it's a big word, but we'll just use it um, and move on. In Tauranga, I mean, going back to, you know, your little – I mean. Did you experience racism, do you think? Oh, yeah, definitely. Right. Definitely. And I think it was more observing mum experience racism. And then, you know, as a child, you sort of just take those things on because they're quite traumatic um, when you see things like that happening to a parent. And then you sort of started becoming hyper aware of, you know, how you look and, mm. and that you're brown. And, and like I said, people have very real ideas about that. I mean, still to this day, but, you know, obviously... As you grow older, you, you get an understanding of it, but it's it's quite traumatic as a child. Do you think? Um, how do you think about your ethnicity today? Oh, great question. Um, I feel very much Samoan because, as you say, I'm brown. So even though I've got a white dad, I've I've lived as a brown woman. Um, although in Tauranga we had such a, um, as you say, a white environment and education and things like that, Mum was very very much. Um, are very proud and very connected to her culture. So at home, we've always had a very deep understanding that we are Samoan. That, did that dominate, would you say, at home? Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Mum, mum dominated. Yeah. In a funny sort of way, I mean, that's what I sort of, right, yeah, I get that. I'm getting that picture. Okay. No, Megan saying, and Harry? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're, we were talking off here just about uh, Megan and Harry and, um, yeah, there's something like that there too, right? It's um, and and mixed, you know, mixed mixed marriage, mm. and all of those all of those good things. Um, yeah, I could. I thought that that would be the case in my, you know, as I say, I've done my due diligence that you you would your your Samoan heritage, fucka papa, uh, would. Um, do you I mean? Do you think your um your your uh, Pakeha heritage is missed out or? Um, Doesn't matter. Uh, well, no, I think that because Dad also obviously had a significant, significant impact in on my life, and and yeah. I I was a daddy's girl growing up, right. so I spent There's nothing wrong with that. I know. I, my youngest daughter, my only daughter, turned five yesterday. See, and there is nothing wrong with that. Unlike I think it's my boys, amazing. She can have anything. <laughs> See, that's difficult. That's yeah. difficult for the boy, but great for your daughter. Yeah. Yeah. So I was I was like that with my dad. He. Um, adored me, I adore, I adore him, and we—he's still here today, and we've got an amazing relationship. And although, he's back in New Zealand because he was living in Samoa. I think, oh, right? just mum. Right, right. That's okay. Don't worry. <laughs> no, because you know that's what I'm saying. Like, if she mum, wanted to be there. Well, I love you know. I grew up in a very um, unique sort of household in terms of mum being quite a forward 
thinking yeah. independent woman. Quite modern in her way. Very, yeah. very. So mum just wanted to move back to Samoa at some point and she did. Yeah. But they no. were still together. Yeah. And people used to go, are your parents divorced? I go, oh, no, mum just lives in Samoa. It was, no. I, <laughs> there's like life, there's laws, as we know. Totally. There's all sorts of things and relationships and ways. I mean, which, you know, by the way, I don't even know if I was going to go there, but I am because the notes told me this and I and I am fascinated by it and I feel like it's a convenient time. You live with Oscar Kitely, am I right? And oh. he he was your boyfriend, Sash Beyonce, and <laughs> like now we're saying, I mean, I'm taking it, there's none of that as funny business? No, God, no, 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 no. So, you're what? like old pals. We are. But so are you creative partners? We are. Right. We are. So we have a very equally interesting relationship. Um, yes, we, we at one time were together and at one time we were engaged and then we weren't. Um, and that was difficult. But the thing with Oscar and I is we always had an incredible friendship element to our relationship. Wonderful. And that continued after the fact, and he is my closest confidant, and everything that yeah, he's he's my guy in that respect. Just separate parts of the house. What's going well, on we 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 live five houses down from each other. Oh, I see. Yeah, I we did we we did live together for a while because I was um, renovating. Right. Um, and now I'm living five doors down from him. Well, that's that's about the to me that's the perfect distance for a mother-in-law. Right, is it five, actually probably five streets, yeah. if I'm honest. But it's good because close enough for babysitting. Absolutely. But, but not close enough to be watching TV and Megan and Harry with you on the couch <laughs> next to you while they're doing Sudoku, <laughs> even though they were angry because you started it before they got there. But they don't even really want to watch it, and then they go to sleep halfway through. Anyway, um, hypothetically speaking. And the other thing that I find, I come from a very religious household. Very religious. Mm. My father's Baptist minister at Tiatsu Baptist, actually. Oh my gosh, great uh, church. And so, mum, your mum, not my mum, your mum's Mormon, mm. your dad was Catholic, and mm. what? And they were both staunch about that. Oh, and so, yes. I've got a quote here from you. Quote, so there was a great deal of disharmony over religion in our oh, home. Oh, yes, yes. Um, uh, Tell me more. Yeah. Well, you know, Mormonism, it's, that's a, it's a big... It's a big thing. It's, yeah. it's not just, you know, turning up to church every Sunday. Mormonism is a way of life. Yes. At, Culturally as, as well as spiritually yeah. and all of that, yes. It is your life. It, your religion is your life. Um, and so mum, being the dominant partner, um, decided that all the children would be Mormon despite right. dad's staunch Catholic. Like he is such a staunch Catholic. Yeah, mm. even today. He still goes to mass. Right. Mum, right up until her death, went to the temple. Yeah. Was there one in Tauranga then? Yes, yes, on right. Cameron Road. Yeah, was well, still there. Yeah. Yeah, probably it's bigger and better now, but um, yeah. yes, I've, I've been there, actually, yes. uh, as local member of parliament once upon a time. Um, so you went to the Church of the Latter-day Saints oh, yes. in Tauranga. Yes. And Did you ever go into the Catholic Church? Or? Um, I only went once or twice with Dad. Um, what I liked about Catholic Church is it was one hour as opposed to three. Yes. So yeah, they're services, short and sharp, aren't they? Oh, yeah, straight to the point. I yeah. loved that. But um, my mum's entire family are Mormon, and they didn't feel comfortable with any of us ever not going to only Mormon church. So um, only visited once or twice with Dad, yeah. Right. Did he, did he come to the Mormon church? Reluctantly, if mum made him, yeah. Right. 
Um, and so I suppose the point of all of this is, you know, so as you say, you know, they both got Jesus there, but they're very different. Mm. Um, were you, this must be, I mean, it was, you've already said this was tension, confusing for you or not really because mum won? Yeah, I think I was confused um, as a young person because of the fact that the religions were so different. And as you say, they both had Jesus. Mum and dad were both devoted to their religions, but they were completely opposing. And I actually think having parents from two different cultures, from two different backgrounds, from two different religions, actually taught me a lot about life that it's really okay just to be what you are Mm. and you don't have to expect anyone else to be the same as you. My parents had a marriage of polar opposites Mm. and... I Keeps think it interesting, though. It does, it does, and it teaches you understanding. Yeah. So, I truly, I, I, yeah. I think it, and all in all, it's been a real advantage. Yes. Mm. Do you, um, you know, does religion, faith, mean anything much to you now, or mm. you sort of, no? I, I, no, I, I wouldn't say that I have a, a faith that I, you know, practice. Yes. Um, I have a general faith, yes. a general understanding. But I wouldn't say I know what that is. And I think that also comes from having two religions. That, yes. Yeah, it's like, well. Yeah. Yeah. But I definitely have a faith and a, and, um, a, a belief in a higher power. But yep. there's no, uh, nothing yep. structural around that. At eight, you're off to West Auckland. Oh so God. as I say, we've, don't worry. It's um, the, 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 Everyone else there is like, Simon, move on, all right? But, you know, <laughs> I'm interested in this because I, I went from West Auckland to Tauranga and you sort of like, I, I mean, feel like we're mirror. And by the way, Oscar uh, Kitely, who we've talked about, he lived on the same street when we first went there, Kerville Avenue, Atiaratu, and my older brother's... And sisters uh, sort of knew him because, I don't know, down the road and uh, all of that. Um, but they're very different culturally, uh, West and Tauranga. We, we sort of discussed that. But so, and you've already told culture shock. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, my goodness. Did you, and, 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 and you, you, did you have trouble making friends? Oh, absolutely. As I said, like, they thought I was like Anne of Green Gables or something. Yes. You know. I can see that. Yeah. <laughs> I can <laughs> see that. The pigtails and that. Totally. It's very cute, though. Oh, oh it wasn't helping Just not her. cool. Just not cool. And I remember walking to school with my cousin who went to the primary school that I started at, Glendine Primary, and I was dressed for school how I would normally dress, and she was, like, looking at me going, honestly, no one dresses like that here. And I was like, oh, it's all right. And then I got <laughs> to school, and it was not all right. And I think the day, the way I arrived at school that day that was my experience then till the end of Standard 4. What, what high school did you go to? Waitakere. Right. Yeah, so that's you were at Rutherford. Right. Rutherford. Rutherford was better, but, you know, that's... <laughs> that's I, mean, we're, <laughs> at it, I mean, it wasn't oh, Henderson, let's be honest, because oh Henderson was goodness. terrible. It was the worst. Did you ultimately, mm. though, despite the culture shock, become a Westie? Oh, Yeah. So you are you a Westie? To, not in a we live sense, but are you a and dispositionally and because I'm a Westie. Oh, totally! I'm a total Westie. Always annoyed me because Paula Bennett would be like the people who use the Westie. It's like what a joke! She grew up in Taupo. She grew up in Taupo. She's a Taupo kid. Yeah, I'm the Westie, right? You know, I'm the one who got beaten up on the mean streets of West Auckland, not her. You know. Yes. We got bullied in the mean streets of West yeah. Auckland, Simon. We know that life. Yeah. We're about that People life. People think I'm some tough, <laughs> born to rule. Hey, 
I've had the shirt ripped from my back. Absolutely. Rutherford High, man. You know what they call them? Rutherford. Rather thugs. Rather thugs. <laughs> that's all coming out, you yes, know. Um, yes. No, that's, yes. No, well, that's... Paula's living out now. She's out there in Tiananmen oh, Peninsula where I am. Oh, she is. She yeah. is. She's well, moved right. out there now. Yeah. And it's, it's, a, it's a gentrified suburb. Oh, my goodness. It's, is it's it what? Um, okay, so you are a Westie. Yes. And, um, and the other thing, like, you know, you, you've painted this, you know, goody two-shoes picture. Then at 17, you're pregnant. Yeah. And... Um, I mean, tell me about that. Were you, were, you, were you stereotyped? Yeah, big time, big time. So that was me trying to rebel um, against, I mean, I had zero freedom. And I think that that is right. actually a really bad thing. You, you yeah. have to give kids a little bit of leeway. I had none, absolutely none. So then I found myself. Were you a bit naive? Oh, Completely, sort of because of the into fact, it all. totally. Yeah. And so, when my Westie girlfriends were doing things that were completely normal to them, yeah, I was trying to join and go, "Oh yeah, I can do this too." But I had no clue, yeah, or awareness or understanding yeah. what I was doing. So then, yes, actually, at sixteen, I find out I'm pregnant. Right. But here's the thing: I was still a great student. I still did everything. I was sixth form um, representative, shooing for head girl, seventh form. Mm. And then it just all changed. And for the first time in my life, I became a stereotype um, and I was treated so differently to my entire experience of life up until that point. How did you, because you obviously in the end didn't, well, not in the end, you you didn't fit the stereotype. You know, you you still had the ambition that your mother had Mm, imbued in you, instilled Mm. in you and all of that. Um, But it must have been tough. Oh, it was horrendous, horrendous, because that was the first time I felt like, and it sounds strange because when you're a pregnant 16-year-old in West Auckland, that was the first time um, that I felt really judged as a brown person because then no one saw me as who I was. They just saw me as a statistic and treated me as such Um, because I had to leave home and find employment. um, I had... Out of high school, I just got really menial jobs just to get by, and it was amazing how people were treating me hmm. in comparison to when I was like this top A student. You know, people just thought, "What well, toilet is going to be successful, guaranteed?" And then I great drop, great oh, from great heights. Yeah, and because you know, we've I've, I've harped on about your mother nineteen times in this chat. <laughs> she, one suspects she wouldn't have been too pleased. Mm about the state of affairs. I mean, did that affect mm. your relationship in a... Hugely, yeah. hugely. So we we spent um, a few good years estranged. Um, mm. Obviously, the pregnancy and, and that was the catalyst, but then mum living in Samoa kind of just left it that way yeah. um, and it took a, a while till we sort of really came to an understanding of where we were at in life and... To be honest, um, me succeeding in what I wanted to do had a great deal <laughs> yeah. to do with that. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. Um, and on that, you know, today you're a um, generally famous, highly regarded actor. Hmm. I would say actress, but we meant to say actress. I so love actress. Go, I go, love saying know, actress. Yeah. Actor. Um, your parents must be proud of you. you, mm. you, you, you uh, Father's, you know, still with us, but they both would. Your mother would have been very proud of you. Hugely, hugely, and yeah. that actually, I I actually feel really 
uh, great that I was able to... Show her that. Yeah, and also she to have her that. feel that way mm. um, in her life. Um, it, it did bring her a lot of joy, so... Wonderful. I felt really good about that. Today on Newsable, we go inside the courtroom where Erin Patterson pleaded not guilty to murder charges related to that infamous Beef Wellington lunch. Plus, why it's a good time to be a first home buyer and the diss battle between Kendrick Lamar and Drake. For everything that's worth talking about, find and follow Newsable wherever you get your podcasts. How did your acting start? I'm, 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 I, I couldn't find this on Wikipedia. My, <laughs> here's what I'm going to go with, and you can say yes or no. Yeah. Uh, West Auckland actually had a pretty good drama school thing going on. Rutherford certainly did. I, Why I, Takere? I, again, wouldn't have been as good as Rutherford, but, but would have been all right. <laughs> so is that how it all started? Yes, but, excuse me, um, Why Takere College unequivocally had the best, strongest music and drama department of West Auckland. Well, I've Patrice got... O'Brien, the <laughs> the drama teacher at Rutherford, is very good. I was, in, I was in a school show or two. Me too. Yeah. Mm. What were you? Uh, I was in Greece. Right. Yeah. And um, what other... Bit of singing? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I used, uh, um, um, solo? Mm. Oh, yeah. I was in the Harmony Group. Great. Ah, no, no, it's just. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to see if you'd make the mistake of singing on the mic, but you know, you're not. No, you're the mask. Yeah, no, right exactly. Here. Although um, they asked me to do that season, I was unavailable. I was very impressed that you did. Yeah, well, you know, that said, what annoyed me about that is, you know, the, the, the people who won it. Oh, the, you know, they're professional singers. I mean, for F's sake, that I is agree. not. That is Either you're going to have a show of amateurs where you bring along the Simon Bridges of this world and they can compete fairly, but then to throw into it. I mean, holy Smith. I mean, God. I, I couldn't agree more. Gracious me. Totally. That's not right. Totally. Wouldn't have. If I'd known that, but I should have watched it before I <laughs> said yes. But. And the other thing is song selection. Get the songs right. Anyway, it's not about me. It's about you. Um, so it did start dra- drama at school. Yeah. And so because I, my mother was going to send me to law school straight from high school, like that was just what was happening. I had no say in the matter. So I thought, okay, well, during high school, I'm going to do what I enjoy. I'm going to take drama. I'm going to take music because this is what I love. And I really enjoyed doing that. Um, in high school, and then um, knowing that it was going to finish once I got to university, but then of course my life completely segued, and I got to continue down the path that I wanted to. Have you ever played a lawyer? Oh, not I feel like that would be yet. just a nice little thing. Oh my you gosh, know. Simon, you're not wrong. Yeah. This is why I want to. I haven't played one yet, but I believe that it's going to happen because it would really it's fate. It, Totally. We need it. We, a Kiwi law firm drama would go quite well. I mean, we've got I some, agree. We've got oh some some hospital <laughs> one. I mean, that's been done everywhere, but, you know. And cop shows, wherever cop shows. Henderson Law. <laughs> Probably. Be, it'd be Ponsonby Legal or something. Well, but, you, you know, know no one goes, every, why is everything you guys film in Greyland? What's wrong with other suburbs in New Zealand? Well, you're not wrong. The only reason why the things we have um, made uh, centred in Greyland is because that was where the Pacific community was based when they first y- migrated. Yes, at the time of the so these stories come specifically from that, yes. Yeah. But 
this Henderson Law, I have actually spoken about, hmm, maybe we should try and put together a it sort should of be a quite law good because you could get show. some sort of social issues going on you there. Could, be quite you could, good. you could do a cameo. You could, you know? yeah, I could. Be, I'd be, bring um, back those Rutherford I'd be your school. wealthy client developer. <gasps> Love about it. to, you know, about to take over a, a protected wetland with a housing estate. Absolutely. <laughs> you, you take the clients come through. What where, What was your first big break in acting? Yeah, so obviously it was very difficult to break in because I didn't go to drama school or anything like right. that. But I had all the sort of skills and the things that I had done in high school. And I was quite good at it. So yeah. um, I had confidence in it. And I just used to go to auditions and even go and be an extra and things like that just to sort of get a bit more on-set experience. Then when I met Oscar, because we met through his playwriting, and I was talking about my acting, and he said, well, why don't you write a play? And he goes, you know, this is what my friends and I have done. We wanted to put on things, so we, I wrote a play. Amazing. And Was it good? Yeah. Yeah. You still look back in it and you say... Yeah, totally. Well, that, I've had an offer to, to develop that into a film. Amazing. Yeah, and, and so I wrote that in 2001. Um, and that that was the start. And mm. um, I might have the order wrong, but my sort of set, well, I think it's probably, you know, if I sort of think first time, why, you know, not that I, as I've said in another podcast, and it is true, I've never watched an entire episode of Shortland Street, but you're on Shortland Street. How long were you in that for? Four years. Oh, it's a good good mm, lag. It is, say. it is a good lag. Um, and, and, I think we should. I mean, we should talk Sione's wedding because it's been so big. Um, mm. I mean, did you expect it to be as big as it was? Possibly not as big as it was um, outside of the audience. We knew yeah. it was going to. Do you knew it would be a big Pacifica hit? Hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, that was given. We we really knew that, and and it was a surprise. Um, I think, yeah, just the general audience reaction to it and how beloved it is. Um, so that, that was really... Why do you think that, looking back on it, why do you think it, it got a bigger audience and it's got this broad appeal? And now it's, you know, it's in the, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's in the pantheon of, you know, great Kiwi movies. Mm. I think because it just showed Pacific Islanders as New Zealanders. Yeah. And that everybody can relate to the characters, even if they don't, if they're not Pacific Island. They had neighbours like that. They, yeah. you know, we, we Pacific Islanders are such a big part of this country's fabric. Yes, and people just enjoyed seeing what they knew. Yeah, you know. So, um, and and I mean, James Griffin and Oscar Kitely, who wrote the script, they're, they're fantastic, fantastic mm. story mm. story writers. Oh my gosh! Yeah, so no, the script was amazing. I believe it. I see it. Mm. That's right. Um, and and they're fun to make. I mean, that and then you see only two, whatever. What's that well, one called? Unfinished business or something? Right? Yes, I mean, yes. I'm going to give you an exclusive because I like you. Yes, <laughs> there's a three. No, no. Oh. Well, well, about the um, experience. So you know, Oscar and I had just split up when right. we had to film Sione's wedding. Yes, that was an experience. Tension. Well, I mean, I called him up and I said, okay. Let's get together and have coffee. And I said, well, we've got to do this film. You're not my favourite person right now. <laughs> um, but for the duration of this film, for, for the because this project means so much to us, we're just going to be cool. We're going to be cool on this shoot. We're going to make this film. It's so important. We've, we've worked on it for so long to get it to this point that it's actually being made. 
Um, and that's how we became friends again. Right. You yes. didn't, there wasn't any sort of heart flutter moments there? No, no, no. You're going to cross him and the, the... Never, 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 because the reason we split up, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right. No, that's okay. It's a family show. Yeah. Um, now, he, he, is he, just think about him on, on Sione's wedding. Mm. You know, he's sort of this, not exactly nerdy, but he's sort of the good nice boy, well, not boy, but character, you know, he's got the office job and all that. I don't know, I feel like maybe it's just because he's a good actor, a very good actor and he does it well. I feel like, is that sort of who he is? Oh, definitely. He's a sort of goody two-shoes and yeah, a little and bit very, earnest. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and But he's also a bit of a dark horse too. So, right. So, yeah. We're all capable of that at times. Absolutely, absolutely. No, he's and he's very smart. Yeah. Um, and I think that's one of the reasons Oscar and I, you know, get on so well is when we met, we were as odd as each other in terms of being Pacific. You know, people from West Auckland, he was a nerd, I was a nerd. He wanted to write things for the, you know, about our people. I wanted to do the same. And it was just, yeah, very much um, we got a lot in common and he very much is that person. I think, you know, a really top actor, you know, require, you know you've got to be a bit cerebral and thoughtful and mm. you know and 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 all of that stuff D- duck rockers courses though as i've said already the prequels tv watching it with my 10 and 8 year old we we're having some good laughs really enjoying it um you are a co-writer and a co-producer in mm. that mm. how do you find that sort of being on stage and behind the stage and, loving it loving yeah. it. it it's such a great evolution for me in, my, in terms of my career i was always going to go into either directing, I mean, always writing, but I always thought, yes, directing, producing, whichever one comes along first, and producing did, um, and it really fits me. I like being in charge. Yeah, yes, exactly. I don't get that sense from you at all. No, I just sort of <laughs> do. It comes from your mother. Um, <laughs> that sounds a bit, I don't know if I'm allowed to say it. Hey, um, and I already said it was good fun to mm. watch it, but actually if we think about the Sioni's wedding sort of f- f- fano of um, production. There's a, there's, a, there's a serious side to it, and I suppose I'm not, you know, without being pretentious about it, g- well, give me a sense of what do you think the significance of that, those works is, or are, yeah, it's better English well, as my mother would, Yeah, we are not as anyway. We haven't had a lot of um, Pacific stories just told in a mainstream, yes. you know, platform. I, I've i always had the intention that because we are just, as I said before, we're just part of the fabric of this country, so we should be reflected in that exact same way. I, I don't believe in us being niche. I don't believe in the things we make needing to be niche for a niche, niche audience. And Sione's Wedding was a great example of that. Um, we can't develop Pacific talent without Pacific projects for young people. Um, so these stories are, are really important for what they are in terms of opportunity, but also what they're about in terms of, you know, just acknowledging our place here in this society. The mainstreamed a really big part of Huge. our uh, culture and country. Um, that said, are you, do you feel, and I'm not taking away from you the respect and you know, where you've got to. Are you ever typecast as an ethnic actor? Um, I think in the beginning, yes. 
because there were very few opportunities as a Pacific actor to even be in projects. And when I first started out, I couldn't even audition for roles unless they had specified that it was an ethnic role. Hmm. So, you know, that was very difficult. Yes. And so when Pacific characters first started turning up, they were quite stereotypical. But I think now, and this is why we we want to come into roles of writing and producing because we want to reflect the diversity yeah. within the diversity. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. Um, how do you prepare for an acting role? Oh, yeah. Well, because acting for me is telling stories and observing behaviour and people, and I've done this my whole life since the takeaway shop, I'm a very keen observer of behaviour and understanding. So every time I'm given a role, I just have this innate ability to completely understand who that person is, where they're coming from, and um, and emulating that. So it's just something that I have, um, but I also find every character I play really fascinating because people are fascinating, no matter who they are. Every single person is fascinating. Definitely. And every single person has a reason for why they are. This is why I understand everybody, even people I disagree with, because you understand, well, you're just a sum of your experiences. Yes. And, you know, in your environment. So I think it's a, it's such a great way to to live life like being, you know, portraying other people um, because that can only come from a place of understanding. You can't judge anybody you play, and I don't judge anybody in life, um, and I think that's why this career really works for me. Um, so what you're saying as well, though, is, you know, I think with artists, you know, with novelists or, you know, musicians or, you know, some really struggle, you know, it's just a constant effort and they produce one masterpiece and that's it. And there's some people it's kind of, it's it's what they are and it's, it's effortless as might, might be, but it's effortless and you're in that latter category at a level, you you. Feel it, you do it. Totally. And totally. are you better actor today? I mean, I presume you are, but you are you a significantly evolved, better actor today than you were 20 years ago? Absolutely. And every single time I get better. Every single time. You know, and, and you know, they, they say you're only as good as your last project. And it's true because then the next time it's different and the next time, you know, um, and, and you continue to, to grow. You continue to grow. Um, I did a role last year and I was so sad my mum didn't get me to see, get to see this film, but... I played the Queen in a um, in a Netflix movie called The Royal Treatment. Yes. And that was my favourite role to date. I And taking that on, and it was like, wow, I could have really been a queen in my life. <laughs> <laughs> I see it. I can see it. This really suits me. But, you know. Are you, are you sort of, is there royalty in that somewhere online? Yeah. Well. It, Nobility. High, high, yeah. Yeah. It's not. Royalty as such, but uh, high chiefdom. Yeah, my mother's a high chief. Yeah. Hey, I don't. Um, I don't want to talk in substance about that incident. Um, but but prior to Duck Rockers, look, I, I think I'm right to say you had four years, kind of of. Um, you know, it's probably the word a royal would use, self-imposed exile, right? Yes, and you yes. were kind of because you know mm-hmm. you've been through a hard go there, and and that was a result, you know. Of a video that went viral and and was mainstream media Ferrari and all the stuff that you mm. you know only too well. I suppose the question is, how do you reflect on what that 
you know, on that now? Mm. What's it mean to you now? <laughs> or is it kind of like, nah, it means nothing? Or Oh, no, no. I mean, it, it, it was a significant experience to go through. I'm, I, I'm grateful. <laughs> yeah. I'm grateful. Um, very few people will sort of ever understand what that is like. It's a very exclusive club. Um, but I'm so grateful for the experience, um, as negative and, and soul-destroying as it was at times. And, you know, it broke my heart. Um, but I am better for having um, enjoyed it. I've learnt a lot. Because why? Because what it makes you a better person, a stronger person? Stronger. Stronger. Not better person, stronger. Just stronger to withstand things that you didn't think you could. Um, so the self-imposed exile came um, from public life because of the fact that um, there was just too much negativity out in that space, whereas my inner life is very positive and, you know, I try to keep it very loving and, and calm. And I just wanted a break from all the noise. But when it came to come back out, having had that sort of rest from it all, I was like, yeah, now I can do it. Now I mm. can do it. Now I'm ready for it because I, I actually needed time to process that whole thing without still being out there. Um, you know, and... I'm not suggesting any level you did anything wrong. Thank but, you, you know, if I think about myself and some of the these, for my story, stupid things I've done, I I often think, well, I don't want that to be the last story that people read when they, when they, when they Google and Wikipedia me, right? So I, whatever, I'm keeping going and I'm right in the next chapter and the chapter after that. Absolutely. Was that there for you? Yeah. Oh, well, it was never going to be the end of me. You know, no. It was never going to be the end of my career. Yeah. It was just this crazy thing that happened. But then I also believe things happen for a reason, obviously. <laughs> um, if you don't do certain things, certain things can't happen. <laughs> yeah. But, but... A lot of people do these things, though, but without... Well, you know, <laughs> you know, you know it's, and, and that's it. And I, um, but I, I also, Simon, was given a really awesome opportunity, though, to really actually stand up for what I believe in about women and in mm. that space. And I know that a lot of women were affected really positively by the way that I was able to just go, well, what I did technically was okay. How you're all reacting is yeah. not okay. Yeah. You know, and yeah. I still believe that to this day. Totally right. What What does it say about what, – what, what do you what, – what does it mean about our society? Well, you know what it is. It's just a, you know a bit of leftover misogyny. It's a little bit of, you know, women have. And you say that. Let's be clear here. Is that because you were treated differently? Differently. Yes. To Conrad. Yes. And I, but I believe that women are, just yeah. as a rule. As oh, a well, rule. I think it's for, I, forever. I don't. I think this is not opinion. That's a fact, isn't yes, it? Yes. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, it was just the way things happen, but. I think because it happened to me at the age and the stage and the time in the world, um, I was able to react or respond very differently as a woman as opposed to this happening to a woman even five, ten years ago. You know, wouldn't have been – I don't believe women had the support and understanding opportunity to, to stand up and say, well, actually, this kind of thing's okay. It was just the timing that it was. Was I was able to stand up and, and, and you know, really represent for something I truly, truly believe in. Fantastic. I uh, really appreciate you, Thank you speaking with me about that. What's going on in your life today? Oh, well. Like, I mean, you know, not everything. I don't even know what you have for breakfast. You can just hit the high points if you like. Yeah. <laughs> pretty pretty standard middle-aged stuff. Um, 
just about finished renovating my house, which was Amazing. hell what through are a we, pandemic. Give me a, give, let me, give me a visual picture of this. Is it? Is it beautiful? Is it comfortable? What sort of? Yes, what are we... it's it's you know it's it's very modern. It's a town townhouse. I I kept it very sleek and minimal, in terms of, um, what I did within it because I'm a huge collector of art, mm. and all my furniture is really loud. Mm. Um, so and wonderful. I, yeah, so it's like my an art wife gallery. Identifies with that. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, Yep. <laughs> Excuse me. You got some small dogs because my son is thirty. You got like three. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm stalking you, but that's out there as well. What are their names? Excuse me. Um, Missy, Mallow, and Coco. Missy, Mallow, Coco. Yeah. That's nice. They yeah. little dogs. Yeah. Yeah. Breed. I'm, a, I'm a cliche now. I'm like a middle aged <laughs> woman living in a gentrified area with small dogs and a successful career uh, in a freaking Jeep. Wow. Well, don't knock it till you've tried it. Right. Right. You know? Yeah, exactly. Um, work projects? Totally, totally. So we're on a hiatus right now from um, Duck Rockers, which has been really good. Um, and I'm going to use this time to develop, um, well, I've got a script that I've got to deliver um, for my film development. So this gives me a bit of space to do that, which I'm really looking forward to. I mean, without giving the game away, when you what, script, are we talking um, desert island love story, Ooh. plane crash, um, hospital drama? I mean, what, what, what's oh, our basic sort of um, – I had a really good one this today, actually. What was it? <laughs> I had a really good. I was thinking about myself. Sometimes I think I could write a novel, when I you should. But anyway, that's it's not about me. What's what? Generally speaking, what is this? Okay, so yes, the, this is actually the the film based on my play that I, I wrote in two thousand and one. And what I like right, about right. it, it's called Island Girls. What I like about it, it's with the Sioni's movies and even with Duck Rockers. Um, you know, they were very focused on the males. And I think it's about time we had something that was completely just about the women. Yeah. And I'm so that woman to, to do this project. Do you think that's actually a thing as well? Um, possibly, you know, be careful what I, how I say this, but with um, minority um, uh, ethnicities, it can be about all about the men. I suppose it's not just minority, but I suppose that's true in Pakia. Truly. Uh, Broadcasting as well, but absolutely. But I do think yes. I mean, w- would it be fair to say that our culture is male dominated? Yeah, um, and the stories that have come from it up until this point, male dominated, which isn't a bad thing. Which isn't a bad thing. But we just need to like balance it up a bit. Yeah. Um, am I right that there's possibly a memoir in you? Yes. That is this a? I mean, is this a? Um, um, yeah, halfway um, through, five, yeah, well, way through. Yeah, well, it's quite. It keeps growing. It does. It does. And this is the thing. Like, I started it actually a long time ago. And then, for me, it's about timing. And then I realized, actually, this isn't probably the point that we stop and look back. I think the story is still going. And I, I will release it one day at the point in the time where I believe that for that this part of my life I've learned all the lessons, I've done all the things that I can, you know, I'm now qualified to look back on. Um, you know, even in saying that the four-year the four year self-imposed break I took from public life, that helped me a lot. And I'm glad I didn't put it out before that because I learned a lot about where what it is I want, I'm saying about this, you know. So 
it'll come. And maybe I have to sort of wait till some people aren't around and things like that just to, you know. <laughs> yeah, I know that feeling too. Yeah, that's right. My book on politics has to wait for many people to be in that category. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's zero. Well, look, judging on this uh, conversation, the memoir is going to be a cracker and I just wish you all the best with this. I'm going to wrap up by asking you some questions. We call them a general knowledge that I ask every guest. Okay. What single object would you save from your house? I have a box of journals that I've written, I've kept since I was 13. Amazing. Mm. It's a Mormon thing. Every so often you read back on those young ones. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you make of them now? Um, that I haven't changed that much. I've grown a lot and experienced a lot, but I'm fundamentally the same person that wrote in my 13-year-old, yeah, entries, yeah. truly, yeah. I have a diary from about the age of 13. The, the entries aren't that exciting. It's sort of like went for a bike ride round to Orlo's place, watched Ghostbusters 2. It was good. <laughs> that is fantastic. What's the best night out you've ever had? Oh, my Lord, Simon. That you can tell us about. I can't tell you about any of them. I've had some fantastic <laughs> nights. Like, this is why I need to do the memoir, because yeah. it's like, did that just happen? Wow. Um, and I'd like to think that I haven't had my best night out yet. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, but I've had some, oh, my gosh. You met, some fa- speaking of generally famous, I mean, you, you met some famous actors. We're talking world famous. Yeah, like, it's crazy, but this kind of thing always happens to me. It's so weird. Like, I'll just go out somewhere, and then suddenly it's like something else, and then, wow, we're with Snoop Dogg. Wow. Amazing. Okay, cool. Things like that. I went to a dinner once and met Bobby Kennedy Jr. And then he invited me out to go fishing the next day and spent the day on the boat with the Secret Service learning how to fish. You know, things like that. Like, it's just crazy. Just Amazing. all the time. All the time. There's so many more like that. <laughs> Most of them I cannot tell you ever. <laughs> Put them in the book. <laughs> Who would you most like to be trapped in a lift with? Oh, easy. Jason Momoa. Oh, amazing. And he's here right He's here soon. Have you met him? No. No. I'd love to. But in that lift. Oh, my goodness. I mean, how? who else would you possibly want to be in a lift? <laughs> I mean, it's, really? not, it's sort of not on my wish list, <laughs> oh, right, but, you yeah. know, that's, that's okay. <laughs> if you could be any animal, what would it be and why? Oh, okay. So I am the year of the tiger. That's why I'm in my Boronga tiger ring. Oh, I love beautiful. that. Thank you. So I would definitely want to be a tiger. However, because of deforestation and, you know, poachers and all the dangers surrounding Mm. tigers and they're, you know, just about extinct, I would have to be a tiger owned by um, a multimillionaire or a billionaire. So maybe a tiger owned by Jason Momoa. (laughs) Um, How about that? Yeah, the mind boggles. I mean, there's a family show. So I'm not going to ask you any of those questions, Mm. but... Hey, it's just been so good to talk to you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, to um, Blakely. You've been listening to Generally Famous. There's a new episode every Wednesday. You can listen to them all at stuff.co.nz slash generallyfamous or wherever you get your podcasts. If you follow us on Apple or Spotify, any of the podcast apps, in fact, you'll get the latest episode automatically. I'd love to hear from you. Send your feedback to generallyfamous at stuff.co.nz. Thanks to my producers, Chris Reed and Jen Black. I'm Simon Bridges. I really appreciate you listening. This pod took time and resources to produce. Please support our mahi and visit stuff.co.nz support.
If you don't have time to read the in-depth stories or you just prefer to listen instead, The Long Read From Stuff is the podcast for you. Each week we showcase one of our excellent pieces of journalism, telling important or entertaining stories from the world of crime, sport, history, culture and more. You also get to hear from the journalists themselves about how they uncovered the story and how it came to life. So for your weekly dose of long-form journalism, beautifully read, subscribe to The Long Read From Stuff wherever you get your podcasts.